Welcome to the third episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me I have my co-host and puppy trainer, Adrian Pinter. Hey there, General Kenobi. How's it going? Honestly, not the greatest. Oh, no. What yeah. What the heck? Yeah. This is, this is a reversal of roles here. It is. What's it happening? Is. I pulled my back yesterday. Oh, no. I don't know if you heard my grunts as I walked into your home. I did. You didn't say anything as to why that was happening. It's because we don't talk outside of this podcast. Right. So as soon as the uh, mics are rolling, then you can suddenly say what's going on with your grunts. Yes. So how did you do that? I was digging a hole. Oh. I had figured you went to the gym and then no. you just had like aches and pains. But Not then again, yet. gyms are still closed, aren't they? No, they are Ontario? open. They are oh, they're open. open. Yeah. Have you been going to the gym? No, it just opened yesterday and I ain't going yet. Oh, so fair. the gym I go to in uh, Waterloo, they have like a capacity, which is good, 50-person capacity, but you can't book a time slot. So if you go there and there's 50 people, you just have to wait in line. But there's no time limit for the people that are in the gym, hmm. nor can you take a shower for obvious reasons, I guess, or you can't use the sauna or whatever. So the change rooms are open to change, but you can't do that. So it's not like I can go to the gym before work. Or anything. So I'm probably just going to cancel my membership. Oh. Realistically. You're actually, wait, did you pay for it while the gym was No, pressing? they weren't charging us. Oh, okay, good. But I didn't even have the opportunity to cancel it because I couldn't go into the gym to cancel it. Oh, I see. And they weren't answering phone calls. Oh. Why were you digging a hole? That sounds ominous. No comment. I knew you were going to say that. Are you seriously not going to comment? Or? Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I killed a man, and we were uh, burying. What did he do? Um, not much, honestly. He just smiled at me the wrong way. No, so, um, my sister's fiance is building a deck. And it annoyed the hell out of you. Yes. Too much noise. Yes, too much noise. Wee hours of the morning. So I killed him and no, uh, no, I was just helping, uh, build the deck. So we had to like dig holes to put the posts posts. in. Right. I dug an entire hole. It was like about four, four foot deep. It was really good. During the last bit of the hole digging. I just felt the tightness in my lower back, and I was like, oh, no. Like, this is it. This is awful. I'm done. It wasn't too bad. I just did some stretches, and I've been just doing stretches. But last night, I was, like, sleeping, and then I woke up in the middle of the night just, like, paralyzed. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, like, I'm in so much pain right now. And then, like, tried to go to the bathroom, and I had to, like, slowly crawl out of bed. It's very painful. I have this nice um, muscle rub thing. It's, you know that hot and cold, kind of like Rub A535, but it's from Germany, so, ah. so it works better. So like Icy Hot. Yeah. That annoying ad that I see on YouTube every day with uh, Shaq. Can't relate. I have YouTube Premium. Oh, okay. Never mind. Anyways, so I put that uh, rub on my back, and it was helping, and I kept on reapplying it today. I've been doing some lower back stretches. Oh, okay. Um, but it's in a lot of pain, and I'm not excited because I'm going camping in two days. And I was like, obviously. And you're going to go kayaking, if I recall. I am going kayaking. I'm still going. I will fight through it. Whether it be because I take a bunch of painkillers, or it's because I just get drunk enough to not feel the pain, or I do both. Who knows? Hmm. I'm not going to do both. It's bad for your life. Yeah, it's not a good idea. No, definitely not. It's not a good not. combo. 
So one of my friends taught me a little fact that he learned in school because he's in school to be a fire, or I guess he finished school to be a firefighter. You know him. And he uh, told me how like one of the most common causes of death back in the day for a lot of people that worked in like any sort of hard labor business thing, including firefighters, was overdose from like people like working a long, hard day, going to the bar and then going home and then taking a bunch of painkillers to like soothe their muscle aches and stuff. Oh, the combos killer. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, not good. Anyways, other than that, though, pretty good day. I went to the, oh, okay. the keg. That's I went great. to the keg for my lover's birthday. Oh, good. How was that? It was it, delicious. Was it inside? It was. I, it was inside. inside. Yesterday, I believe it was. We're yeah. filming this on a Saturday. Uh, so the Saturday before this airs, I guess. Uh, we had to eat on a patio in mm-hmm. Ontario. Couldn't go, outside, uh, couldn't go inside to restaurants. Now they're taking patrons inside. Yeah, so I actually had a reservation for the patio today, and they called me when they announced Phase 3 for Ontario, whether or not I wanted to go inside. I was like, fuck yeah, I do. That's service. Yeah. That's not bad. So went inside. It was it was, it was was really nice, good ambiance. Everyone was wearing a mask except for people sitting at their tables, like, eating food. How did they re- separate the tables? Like, pretty far away, or how no, far were you sitting from the next people? They didn't have open tables. They were only sitting people at the booths. And they have oh, okay. plexiglass um, in between each booth now. So wow, yeah. So they actually did some renovation, which Just is really when you nice. have like the keg money, then you can do something like that. Yeah, I'm exactly. imagining not every restaurant's gonna pull that off, but probably not. But it was it was delicious. I usually get a filet mignon, but since I've gotten my sous vide, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show yet. <laughs> you haven't. You want to go into what your sous vide is? Um, for those that don't know, a sous vide is a precision cooker that you so you you i definitely have explained this have i not you have not okay so essentially what you do is you fill up a, a pot or a sink or whatever that like a container that can hold a bunch of water and you place the sous vide oh into boy. it it looks um, here we go pardon me what nothing i didn't say it anything. looks kind of like an immersion blender and you place it into the water bath and obviously into electricity and you set it to a specific temperature and it circulates the water and warms up the water to this set temperature right so i've been using that a lot and it, what it does is it creates incredibly tender meat and perfectly cooked meat so i've been getting used to eating steaks like at a perfect medium rare every at single home time versus at home the restaurant Exactly. Well, you couldn't go to a restaurant anyway, so it worked out. Exactly. So I've been going all out on that. I regularly get a steak at the keg, but I was like, it's probably not going to be as good as my steak, honestly. So I got the prime rib this time. It was delicious. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you had a good day? Uh, No, it was all right. Because of the back? Because of the back. But the food was great. How is, as you say, your lover's birthday? Did she have a good time? I think think so. Yes, she did. That's good. Mm -hmm. What about you? I didn't uh, do too much. I mowed the lawn. I uh, used my electric lawnmower in the front and back lawn, and I I mowed the lawn. That's my day. I noticed your dog also had a haircut. Did you use the lawnmower on your dog? (laughs) Yes. I also mowed the dog. No, yeah, he uh, looks like almost a different dog. Uh, Earlier in the week, we got him a a trim. The uh, groomer finally opened up, and so he looks almost completely different, I would argue. I don't know if you would argue the same because you don't see him that often, but... There's been questions about whether he is the same dog. He even behaves a little differently because he's just shed so much hair. He's probably more comfortable. We've been having a pretty brutal heat here in Ontario. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wanted to start the show off with a little bit of a uh, tribute to some of the 
people that have died in the industry, in the film and TV industry. It's something that we didn't bring up. We purposely didn't bring it up in the last two episodes. But now we kind of feel like it's gotten too much. There's too many people that have passed away, and it seems weird uh, and a little odd not to mention it on the podcast in any way. And so we, we've decided to, to talk a little bit about it uh, just briefly here. But specifically, it started kind of with Carl Weiner, who's like a legendary comedian, producer, director. Uh, of course, he produced, he created The Dick Van Dyke Show, which has won numerous Emmys. He was in Ocean's Eleven, which was my first exposure to him for sure. Actually, Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen, I think, as well. Uh, Nick Cordero is a Broadway star that passed away as well due to coronavirus, unfortunately. You had Ennio Morricone, uh, who's, again, a legendary composer. I keep saying legendary, but it, it is true, especially with uh, Morricone, who has done various spaghetti westerns. And it's his, his music that Tarantino has put into multiple films, but especially Hateful Eight, which is his specifically a western. And then we've got Naya Rivara, who, who's from the star of Glee. Passed away as well. Unfortunate drowning incident that happened recently. Kelly Preston, who's a star of Twins. Jerry Maguire, of course, is the the wife of John Travolta. And last but not least, Grant Imahara, who's, I think it goes back far back for us a little bit in that it's a little bit of our childhood with the Discovery Channel's uh, Mythbusters, as well as the fact that uh, he actually operated R2-D2 in the prequel trilogy and most importantly for me, seriously, was his influence or the creation of the Late Late Shows, the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson's Jeff Peterson, the gay robot skeleton, who is uh, was is a, quite a big part of that show for thousands of episodes, I guess. So yeah, it's been a pretty rough go of it for the last three weeks as multiple stars, producers, directors, composers have passed away. And again, it just felt weird not mentioning it. And so we, I, I feel as though we definitely need to draw attention to it in some way. No, definitely. I agree. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. It sucks when people die, especially before their time. Um, yeah, Grant Amaharo was 49. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like Grant Amaharo was a huge part of my childhood. Mythbusters was like a show that I constantly watched as a kid. So that actually hit me surprisingly hard. I was pretty shocked and it sucks. Yeah, no, it's it very unfortunate. And yeah, I feel I feel for uh, everyone's family and friends. It's unfortunate. It's it's a little strange to do a podcast about this industry in such depth, or not really that much depth, but going through the news topics and then just not bringing it up at all. Uh, it seemed kind of I don't know misplaced, just a little bit. Yeah. So it's a tribute to the the people who have arguably influenced us a little bit. We've watched them. They've you know made our days a little bit happier. Even in this pandemic, going back and watching a Carl Reiner comedy is an example. And so uh, we found that was important. Yeah, it's a bummer. The next thing we're going to talk about briefly here is just a few or maybe just one correction that we've got from our show last week. The idea is we want to stay honest. We ask everyone to write in to us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com to tell us about anything we've said that was incorrect, but also to write in for topics for the next week or anything of the sort. I think, Adrian, you've got a correction that we've got uh, to mention from last week. Yes. So last week, um, thank you to thethrasher.com for incorrectly telling me that The Kissing Booth 2 was coming out um, this past Friday. That is incorrect. It is coming out... You this know what? I'm going to hold that until the end of the end of the show. I'll let you know when it comes out later. It's coming out this Friday. Yeah, it is. I'm t- <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a dick move that would be. Uh, yeah, it's coming out this uh, this Friday, July 24th. Great. Okay. 
Cool. The hit kissing booth to franchise. The, the kissing. That's a Netflix show, so it's strange. Movie. That, sorry, Netflix movie. Why is it so difficult to find? I, I, when, I like we've been looking for for this. Uh, all of these uh, different movies that are releasing, it's strangely difficult to find out a very consistent list of what's launching on streaming versus what's launching theatrically. Normally, the theatrical list easy to find because there's usually movies launching in theaters. But with coronavirus, it's very difficult. It seems like I'm not sure I understand. Why. No, no, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with just these films not being updated with their new release date slash like move to indefinite. So I think with a lot of these sites, these films have just stayed the same in terms of the like kissing booth two fiasco that happened last week what a fiasco yeah wow that was ridiculous yeah honestly. you know what i don't know if i'm gonna have you on the next show yeah i'm gonna so, re- that's replace fair, you as co-host i mean you're still pretty early on no one will know you better do it early no but like in terms of that that one's just like a straight up mistake however a lot of these movies that are coming into theaters that's kind of harder to gauge because especially now here in Ontario, well, nothing's coming out. Yeah, it's just not happening. Yeah, it's still, and we're gonna get into this when we talk about the news shortly. But it's crazy. Nothing's really coming out uh, in theaters. But I think all of these big companies believe that they're gonna potentially launch a new movie in the near future. But it doesn't seem like that's happening. Uh, before we actually get onto the news, I should ask you, what have you been watching, Adrian? Oh, I've been watching a few things actually. So last week I mentioned how I wanted to watch Most Dangerous Game, another Quibi original. Yeah. Um, did you, you watch that? I did. Scene? I watched it in its entirety, all 15 episodes. It's really good. It's really good. That was kind of their title. I think that was Quibi's title piece. Like, yeah. that was the thing that was trying to, they were trying to rope everyone in with Liam Hemsworth and Christoph Waltz. It seemed mm-hmm. like that was the, the real selling point to, to start Quibi when it launched uh, back a few months ago. So. It was really good. That's great. I really liked it. I liked it more than The Stranger, which is, I think, better. Yeah, no, it definitely is better rated in terms of reviewers. Yeah, The Stranger is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it more than The Stranger. Not by much. It was just, it's just a cool premise. Long story short, guy is dying of cancer and gets the opportunity to be hunted by professional hunters to... Professional hunters, like yeah, or killers, like, yeah, kill. No, like they, like, like they're hunters. You're hunters, yeah. Like they, I don't know. They don't go too deep into it, but it's people that just are rich enough to pay to hunt human prey because what they the they want the opportunity to hunt something that's difficult, more difficult than an animal. So these rich people, there's five of them that all, um, I guess, sign up to hunt Liam Hemsworth character. It's He's Chris- the one who's dying of cancer. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. And Christoph Waltz is kind of like the mediator, the guy that sets it up every time. And it's obvious that this happens multiple times. So it's not like the first hunt and it won't be the last. So Liam Hemsworth uh, gets the opportunity to sign up for this. Is he approached Christoph Waltz character or does Christoph Waltz character approach Liam Hemsworth? The latter. Christoph Waltz's character approaches Liam's Liam Hemsworth. Jesus, I can't oh, I say see. Liam Hemsworth's name properly. Liam's Liam's Hemsworth. Liam's Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Anyways, but yeah, gets approached by him, and you know, gets told like, "Hey, I know you're dying, but there's a way that you can leave your wife and soon-to-be newborn child, soon-to-be born child, a lot of money, upwards of like fifteen million dollars." Wow. Essentially, how it goes is that every hour he stays alive, the amount of money that gets put into his bank account increases. So it starts off at fifty thousand, then goes to a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, etc., until he gets to a million, where it starts going up by 
an extra million every hour. So um, really cool idea. It's really fun, self-aware. At first, I didn't like it because it seemed like it was just a movie being cut up into pieces. And I was kind of watching it being like, with The Stranger at the very least, like there's not a, there's not a, there's not a moment that you have a break in that show. It just keeps going. And at first with this show, the first like three, four episodes are build up, which I found a little bit out of place for a service where every episode's, you know, six to 10 minutes and it wants to keep you engaged. So after I watched the first three episodes, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. I was like, I'll sell you to begin with. No. And it it felt like it was just a movie where they just decided like, all right, we're going to cut it here and then just go right into the next episode. It's like commercial breaks. Exactly. That's that's exactly how it felt like. But the further the show went on, the more interesting it got and the more it felt like at the end of every like section, it was like, oh, this is a cliffhanger. Like, what's going to happen next episode sort of thing. So I think it really uh, it really amps up and uh, I really enjoyed it. It's just it's fun. I thought it took itself too seriously at first, but then it starts introducing more of these hunters that, that are out to get him. And they're very eccentric characters, obviously, because they're just people that want to kill other people for the, the thrill, I guess. And they must pay a lot of money to do this. Yes. Yes. They must be rich. Yeah, they're all rich. So I don't want to, you to spoil too much here. No, I won't. I'll, uh, I'll essentially... again. We try not to spoil anything. We try to spoil as little as possible on a show. We'll do spoiler casts if we uh, want to dive deeper into a movie yeah. or TV show. But yeah, the I'll, I'll, it's not really a spoiler, but one of the characters that can introduce who's like a hunter is like the super rich British dude that, you know, really nice car, suit and tie. And he's all kind of like almost uh, reminded me a little bit of Lex Luthor from Batman v Superman, <laughs> like to the extent of just being like, oh, like this is fun. Like I'm a little bit zany sort of thing. I really like him as a character. And then again, they, they continue to introduce different hunters throughout the show and it's really well done. It's really well done, and I had a really fun time watching it. It's not, like, the best of the best by any means, and it's not, like, a triple-A TV show, but for a high-quality, you know, relatively short TV show-slash-movie experience, it's really good, and I would recommend it, especially if you haven't used the Quibi free trial. Again, I, I really like Quibi. I really like it. I'm almost tempted to keep paying for it. I'm not going to, but I'm almost tempted to it's do it. It's neat. Man, drop it to four ninety nine. With ads. I'm in. I'm in. And I might consider it. I just can't consider it with the number of streaming services, first of all. There's just too much content out there, and that's not competing for my time if you're going to charge me $7 plus ads. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So I'm hoping that they turn it around with the price point. I know that they haven't really kept subscribers so far, so I wonder what their strategy is going forward, other than just, you know, creating more content like Kevin Hart's new movie. Uh, Die Heart, which is apparently coming out soon as well. So we'll see yeah. what what this means. Like, are they going to change their mo? Because it's too early, maybe, to change the price to drop it. I don't know. That's almost like admitting defeat in some capacity. I think it would be a good move. Just drop the price point and give the people that stuck around a free month or two. You know, like this service has only been out for what two, three months. Just yeah, like, for just sure. Like, oh shit, we messed up. All right, we'll reduce the price by this amount. Here's a free month. And every person that has stuck on since then gets a free month. Yeah. And and I think that would be a really good way to um, make it seem worth it, I guess, or to bring people in. Because, again, at this point, it doesn't seem like – like, they're, they're doing an intense uphill climb, and I don't think they're going to get out of it. Yeah, I don't think so either. There's just too Which much – Which sucks. Which sucks. They need, I really apparently, like I think, to be to, – to re-up their investor uh, 
contributions. They have to go back to the investors, I think, to get more money to keep it going, to get more content because they're just not making enough right now. Again, they lost what they're, I think they only have 30% of what they wanted to hit for the goal for yeah. the first year, which yeah, is not retained good, less than 10% of the initial subscriber base. Right. They lost everyone after the free trial or, whatever, or a lot of people after the free trial. So it would be really nice if they were to adjust in this fashion. I think I would stick around. And again, I can't say enough. I talked about this last episode about how great that different perspective is about being able to change from portrait to hor- that horizontal landscape. I think that that is neat because it gives you almost a different perspective on how you watch something specifically. Yeah, so I'm going to eat my humble pie and oh, you changed I, your mind I changed my mind feature. about the portrait feature. It, um, it wasn't necessarily for, like, again, I, I do enjoy it better in landscape. But I did find myself randomly like brushing my teeth and, you know, I had it in portrait mode and just, you know, watching this yeah. episode and being like, honestly, this is good. This is good. It's not bad at all. I, I think they really, they have something here and I hope that it doesn't just go away because one thing I've noticed is whenever I open a YouTube video or any other streaming service and my phone is in portrait mode and it doesn't fill the entire screen, it throws me off now. It's something I got used to it in works such so a minimal well. a, it's amount of so time. It's so quick. It's intuitive. I, I don't understand. I have this issue. I watched YouTube recently on my phone, and I found that it just wouldn't switch. I had to like flip it back to portrait, then back to hor- the landscape in order to get the orientation to switch. I don't understand why no one's figured out what Quibi's figured out and how to actually get it to switch with the accelerometer and the phone seamlessly, but it doesn't seem to happen. I don't know why. Yeah. The one thing I will say, and I know this isn't really the point of Quibi, but I did try casting it as well because I wanted to see how it works when you cast it to a TV. And it does. It casts without issue and starts playing. However, there is no autoplay function when you have it cast. Yes, I've had this issue with so AirPlay as well. That's AirPlay a little, Apple TV. Yeah, that's a little bit annoying. I know that's not really the point of this streaming service. They want you to watch it on the go and on your phone. But to have such a, I guess, uh, universally normal option or whatever uh, i'm trying to say uh not available is is a little bit odd i actually don't like auto autoplay by the way i have a lot of choice words for autoplay and streaming services i really don't like it the worst really? thing about it is when i like listening to the credits or because there's a score usually that outlines the credits i know i'm i'm a weirdo i want to see the credits Nerd. go through so usually like when even the apple tv logo pops up at the, at the bottom of the actually apple tv is the most subtle netflix will like throw the the clip to the top of the screen like it will sh- throw it in a box at the top and then it will try and say up next here it comes same with crave i prefer to actually just see the credits roll sometimes sometimes it would be nice to be auto played but just give me a little bit of a tab let me prompt for the next episode i'm good with that i don't know why i have to you know have to have it auto play no, I get that. However, with Quibi, there are no credits. At the end of every episode, it's just one quick. Right, yeah, Quibi, Quibi, you're right. I yeah. did notice it with Quibi, and I kind of wanted, because the episodes are so short, I did want it to move forward. I was exactly. watching an episode of Flipped. It was seven minutes. I just want to get to the next episode because I only want, like, I'm, I'm in, usually in the middle of a meal when I'm watching shows. Not Me too. Always, Me too. But sometimes. The, the, almost the only time I watch something is while I'm eating. It's odd now. I don't know, especially with coronavirus. I feel like I'm even doing this more than before. But it's uh, it's a good service in a lot of aspects. You yeah. just need to fix the price. I think that's my two cents anyway. No, I, I definitely uh, agree. And I mean, since we're already on the topic of Quibi, I did actually watch only a few episodes of a different show that's on Quibi called 50 States of Fright. 
Oh, you did? Yeah. Nice. So I watched the first three episodes. Fun fact, written and directed by Sam Raimi. The first three episodes. Him and his brother, Ivan Raimi. Actually. That's cool. Sam yeah. Raimi is pretty well known for horror movies. So that Exactly. Works and out. funny, I didn't realize this until the end of the first episode where something incredibly grotesque happens. Very Sam Raimi-esque. And I literally was like, oh my God, is this Sam Raimi? And then it started playing the next episode and I saw the directors and it was. So it's very... What's the word I'm looking for, I guess? Sam Raimi-esque? I, I thought you were going to say Sam Raimi-esque. I don't know. You know, Are you going to use the word tour or something? It just it just seemed like something he'd make. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Like It reminded me a lot of Evil Dead in terms of just the camera zooms and, again, the grotesque-like violence and the blood splatter and everything. But yeah, it was pretty It was pretty good. Three episodes. It, it's, like one, it's an anthology series, it seems. So the first three episodes are one complete story. And then I guess... Is it, well, this is nonfiction, right? Like, it's not... That's what I thought. It's filmed as if it is nonfiction, but I'm pretty sure it is fiction. Oh. And by pretty sure, I'm 100% sure it is Was fiction. Was it documentary style? Yes. Oh, it's like a mockumentary. Kind of. Because it's essentially... I this, thought it was... They were showing... Maybe I don't know the premise enough. What is 50 States of Fright then? Well, the first three episodes, is a, it's, it's called The Golden Arm, and it takes place in Michigan, I believe. And I think it's supposed to be like, yeah, like a faux documentary, mockumentary style, because there's a guy that's talking throughout it and being like, yeah, I wish I was there that day. And every, like it, it's meant to be like a mockumentary, but you see everything happen. Oh, as well. So, so there's, there's stuff like there's freaky stuff happening live. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really realize what this was. It's good. It's fun. It was actually very spooky as well. This like, I guess in total is about 30 minutes. For the first three episodes, a little bit under 30, and it's quite frightening, actually. Is the first season already done, or the, there was an anthology, as in the first three episodes were an anthology? The first three episodes were an anthology. And the next an one's going to another state. Exactly. Like, we're talking about states of the United States. Is that right? Uh, No. Because you said it was... Yeah, yeah, it is the states of the United States. Oh, okay. Because it could be states as in, I don't know, solid like or liquid. liquid. Yeah. Jinx? No. No, no, no. This is a podcast. Let's be professional. How about you? What did you watch? I didn't really watch too much. Well, I did watch something. We're going to talk about it as we get to the news segment here. Uh, we both watched it, but uh, we I also watched Veep. I watched many episodes of Veep because, again, I can't eat without uh, watching a show. But uh, Veep is really good, and I'm, I think, on season four, if I recall. Oh, nice. So you get, you're going through it. We talked about this on the first episode, First episode, right? for sure. Yeah, and I just love it more and more. It's such an interesting show, and, well... Strange time for politics in the United States, I'd argue. So it's kind of topical in that way. I really like, I think the most normal person in the entire cast, like in terms of like character, is Mike McClintock. 100%. Yes. It's funny because he seems like he's just not good at his job. At times, he's actually quite good at his job. And it's kind of funny to watch him be like almost like the normal person with these crazy sociopaths. They're all kind of really strange. They are all psychopaths. No, like, yeah, like in some way they're and kind they're of crazy. All, and they're all awful people. They are all of them. Every single person is a bad person except for, yeah, Mike McClintock. Mike McClintock is, is the, he plays the uh, communications, the guy basically who's, who am I trying PR? to Sort of thing, like he, he talks PR to the reporters. Reporters. But I'm, I'm trying reporters. to. Reporters. Who is Trump's communications dude who got fired? He was on Dancing with the Stars. Who am I, I thinking of? Nancy Pelosi. What? No. I know. <laughs> what? I have no idea. This is your knowledge of American politics. Shall yeah. Through here. Yeah. Ah, Sean Spicer. That's who oh, it is. Oh yes, Sean I Spicer. Sean Spicer. I feel like they've gone through so many of these individuals in the in the Trump White House that it's not really. 
it got, kind of just feels like, I don't know, it's hard to remember and keep track of them all, but he was kind of the famous one to start. Yeah, they did a lot on uh, SNL about him as well. Trust my story. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, Melissa McCarthy was playing him on SNL. Yeah. He, like, didn't he, like, seem like a relatively humble dude after he got fired? And It seemed like he was, he's the most normal. I think the rest of them are far less, I don't know. Again, we don't live in the States, but it, it would have been nice if he was still there. <laughs> he's the least worse. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. the least bad of the options. I feel like the devil you know kind of scenario. But anyway, yeah, that, that's basically what I've been watching. It's been good. I really like it. I'm really happy that there's seven seasons. And so that's exciting and something to look forward to. Let's move on to the news, shall we? Number one, as reported by publication Deadline, Tom Hanks' World War II movie Greyhound debuted with the largest opening weekend release ever for the Apple TV Plus streaming service. It not only beat out the Apple TV Plus original movies, but also their original TV series in regards to viewership. Apparently, 30% of Greyhound viewers were also new subscribers. Although it is unclear which original movie or series was previously top dog, Defending Jacob, the drama series starring Chris Evans, had apparently broken Apple TV Plus viewership records in May. Tom Hanks recently spoke of his disappointment in having Greyhound launch exclusively on Apple TV Plus, preferring instead that it launch in theaters for a more standardized cinematic experience. What do you think about this, Adrian? Very interesting. Very interesting. Real quick aside, I want to watch my Jacob. Did my son do it or not? Uh, TV show. Now yeah, that, defending so, Jacob for yeah. sure. I was going to buy myself an Amazon Fire Stick. I was just sold out at work, so I bought myself a nice Roku stick to watch this movie. Greyhound. Yeah, we both watched Greyhound, so we have some perspective on it. It's a pretty big release. And uh, I really liked it. Me too. I really, really liked it. You liked it? it. Yeah. You, the guy who just like completely shit on Old Guard, the Old Guard for a full... Episode. I really liked Old Guard. Poor actually, Kiki Lane, eh? I know. I feel bad. Again, I'm still planning on watching um, the Old Guard again. No, uh, if Bill Street could talk. Just oh, to just see. to see her performance. I, I feel like I was <laughs> I was an asshole. Yeah, That's... go back and watch the second episode. Dude, if you I want was to see so mean. I, I kind of Simon kind of Cowell, the the Old Guard. But yeah, in terms of this movie, I guess I'll just start off on the acting in general. Fantastic. Across the board, there's not even a weak person on that entire like cast that did a did a bad job. Every single person was believable. Unlike in the old guard, where everyone at the military camp looked like they were taken off the street and have never acted in their life, every single person in this movie looked maybe not looked or it it, it seemed like they were all professional actors, which I assume they were. I really, really enjoyed it. I found myself about like 20 minutes in forgetting I was watching a movie being like, oh, shit. Yeah, like Tom, this is Tom Hanks. <laughs> like, I Oh, genu- that's really good. I genuinely was so immersed. And yeah, I like there's a few things that I just really, really enjoyed about it. Most notably, that is that if I missed a line of dialogue, it was totally OK because they repeated every single line of dialogue uh, at least once. Oh, because um, it's like orders. Yeah, exactly. All the orders get repeated over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty uh, intense. It was an In- intense movie. Incredibly. I yeah. always I seem to tr- have a trend of pointing out the sound. I really like the sound in this movie. It was really well mastered for editing and mixing, but Blake Neely's score was pretty haunting, especially with the submarines. 
So that's actually one thing I want to mention here is that I think what this movie absolutely nailed is every time the submarines were coming and they played that very weird whining high pitched tone where it seemed like some sort of eldritch creature was coming out of the water. It almost reminded me of like a monster movie like Pacific Rim or Godzilla. They're pretty terrifying, those submarines. Exactly. Yeah, I watched it with my girlfriend as well. And that was the first thing she said. I think it's. I think she just entered the room. She started watching at like the twenty minute mark or something, and she just entered the room as the submarines were starting to leave the water. And they have these markings on the side, like they have emblems, like for each submarine that's separate, as yeah. if to mark which which version of the submarine it's a gray wolf. call signs. Yeah, there was that gray wolf on one of them, and it's it's interesting because she said immediately, submarines are terrifying. They are so scary. I'm curious if that was intentional. Like Which did, part? That, like in terms of uh, like, did did you feel like it it was trying to resemble almost like a monster movie, like these submarines were, yeah, a supposed force to be, to be reckoned with. You know what I mean? It's the scary aspect of these things are underwater and you can't see them. And where are they? They're just searching the whole movie with their radar to find out where they are. They're yeah. just looking and trying to search them out so they don't lose their ships. Greyhound, of course, we didn't really give much context, but. The idea behind it is there's destroyer ships that are are leading a, a fleet of, of ships from the U.S. to the U.K. And there's a spot in which they call it the Black Pit, where the air cover dies out because the, air, the airplanes can't follow the ships any further, the fleet any further. And so once they leave that spot, the, the uh, people flying the plane say, well, that's it. Good luck crossing the Black Pit. Hopefully you survive. And then they're trying to get from air cover to air cover across the ocean. And whether they make it is dependent on, well, how many submarines attack and whether the destroyers are effective in stopping the submarines from destroying all of their fleet. And it's stressful the whole time. Tom Hanks' character is a newbie, actually. That's part of the story. It's actually based upon a book. I don't know if you you knew that. Uh, no, well. I was actually going to ask, like, was this based on a true story it isn't based on a true story it's actually fiction but it is based on uh, on a book and then aaron snyder uh, directed it tom hanks wrote the screenplay for it cool yeah i just think the movie itself was very well uh written and again like you mentioned with the audio it was it was top tier i really really appreciated how much this movie respected your time as well where again it was for an hour and a half that's the length of the movie. Once it starts about, what, 15, 20 minutes in, it does not stop until the end of the movie, the last, like, five minutes. There's not a dull moment. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, yeah, almost felt a little bit like Dunkirk in that way. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, or 1917, where it's just, it's go, go, go. No time to breathe. And I think they did a really good job with Tom Hanks, because the entire movie takes over the course of, what, like, 70-something hours? It's like 48 hours. 48 hours, two days. Is that right? Maybe it's 72 hours? Yeah, I thought it was 72, but I think you might be right with the 48. That's Um, actually one criticism I had about the movie is the the way that they use their title screens. I I don't know if this is really minor, and it is minor. It's just I found that the the main point of those title screens was pointing out the fact that the time is going down 
and they were pointing out way too much information about it being Wednesday or Thursday or, or Tuesday. I don't really care what day it is. It's not really relevant. I know that that's maybe important, but I think that the, to bring emphasis for the number of hours left was the most important thing about that title screen. And I think it was lost in the amount of jargon in that title screen. That's the only thing I, I agree. I was confused. I was like, why are you putting this all this info on the screen? Like they even give us military time, like timeline. That's okay, but maybe throw all that information in, and then maybe fade in the t- the remaining time. That would have been a little bit more of an emphasis, I, I think. But I don't know. No, I th- I think you're right. It almost reminded me like it felt a little bit video gamey in terms of those like title screens. I don't know. I like I'm playing through uh, Call of Duty World War Two as an example, and. I feel like any of the title screens, it kind of reminds me of that. This is the time frame that this exact mission is taking place during this day, yada, yada, yada. There's a few times where they bring out like the binoculars and they're looking at two ships in the distance. And then just above the ships, it it shows the names of each ship. And it reminded me once again, like just of a video game. Oh, yeah, because they pop up. I thought that was very good for... Yeah, it's great for the... Yeah, no, 100%. You kind of need that context. I get what you mean. I'm glad that they made that that move to, to include that because I think it just helped us out to understand because they, they were using these the names of the ships freely throughout the movie. So it was really nice that they, they pointed it out. Yeah. So, you know, which ship is which yeah, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like good time. I don't know. I don't know if good time is the right word um, watching it, but all in all, yeah, I think very well done movie. And Again, I, I I can't I can't applaud this enough. The the acting from absolutely every single person. I wasn't in that sure movie. whether you were gonna like this. I was, really, it was one of those really things. Like I'm coming off the old guard again from your review last week. I liked the old guard. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I did. I genuinely did. I just I had more negative things to say about it. But this movie, I don't really have any negative things to say about. It. I actually just enjoyed every bit of it, and the look of like fear and uncertainty in all of the soldiers' faces when any decision was made. It really, yeah, it, it really came through on the screen. And again, it made me feel uncertain, it made me feel stressed out, and I I was un, unsure of what the outcome was going to be the entire time. Again, I assumed that I could just Google this, and this was a true story. I genuinely thought this it's, was a true story. It's Based on and, a book by C.S. Forster called The Good Shepherd. Actually, they did mention it in the credits at the very end. Oh. I watched the credits at the end of my streaming movie. So, uh, oh, oh, oh. Well, we, we always traditionally, so when we went to movies together, although we don't see each other outside of the podcast, yeah. sitting on opposite sides of the theater, of course, uh, when, we, when we did so, we, we usually were the last ones to leave. Not always, but we usually sit to the credits. I don't know. I, I made it a tradition years ago that I would just do this out of respect. It was, I don't yeah. Know, Maybe a little bit corny. Again, you can call me a nerd, whatever. But It rubbed off on me, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of nice. And usually you get the, I don't know, the, the almost the overture or like the end, the ending, the score at the end is really nice in the, in the theater as well. So it's just kind of nice. And you can kind of sit there with your thoughts and think about how bad or amazing the movie was. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a benefit there. But this is a little different because it was streaming. And there's a little bit less of an emphasis of remaining in a theater because you're just at home. So <laughs> I guess that doesn't always happen. The one thing I would like to mention about this too, I really like the subtlety in the movie. There's a, there's also the technicality behind knowing how exactly the radar works and how exactly this works on, in, on the command deck where they're sending the, the radar command back and repeating it back because they don't have enough radios and the, all that concept. And then the concept of the, how subtle it is, there's not a ton of character development through verbal cues. I, I read a review actually that was saying that character development was lacking. I found that actually the character development was on their faces and it was not necessarily 
full-on development because this only takes place over what 48 to 72 hours or whatever but the idea was that just the subtle shots of there's there's a shot of uh, a plate of food that has a, a strong symbolic piece that i think you know what i'm talking about as i see you smile here yeah so real quick as well, i i wrote down in my notes just eat the fucking food yeah, right. I literally wrote that down. Yeah, so you're talking about Tom Hanks's character and like uh, his connection to the character George Cleveland, which was fantastic. And Rob Morgan plays George Cleveland. He does a great job. And there's just this, I don't know, there's a lot of unspoken words that are just acted. And I, I think that that's one of the brilliances. It reminds me a little bit, a little bit of uh, Tom Hardy in Dunkirk where he's flying the plane and you can't see his face the whole time, which is almost every Tom Hardy movie. Yeah, but honestly. <laughs> he's wearing a mask in so many movies, and he just acts with his eyes. Yes. That was, that was kind of... You, yeah, whatever. You've done a better impression before. Give me a tube of paper towel. A tube? A tube. The, the tube portion of the paper towel. Oh, you're going to talk through that? Is yeah. that where you best perform Bane? Yes. <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah, I particularly liked it. My main criticisms were... Some of the cuts to black, I felt like were a little jarring, and the titling. That would be the one thing that it... Yeah, those are fair. Those uh, didn't really bother me. The The only, I guess, criticism I could have is kind of the um, love story element that they kind of do between Tom Hanks' character and, uh, I forget the... Elizabeth Shue, who's Elizabeth also in Shue. The Boys. Yeah, exactly. That's where I knew her yeah, from, anyway. Yeah, same here. So, like, they they kind of, like, set up a, like, kind of a small love story between them, kind of making you be like, oh, like, Tom Hanks is in love with this woman, but... It almost seems like that love isn't reciprocated. At least that's what I kind of took from it. And um, interesting, they do a couple of flashbacks to really highlight, like, oh, this is a very stressful time for him. But you know, having her, making sure that he has the opportunity to see her again, is what's keeping him going and keeping him awake during this, uh, you know, like three day period. Yeah. Anyhow, I was like, yeah, that's nice, whatever. But I have no attachment to this character, so I can kind of see the argument that there's not enough character development. However, again, as you said, the character development is all within how the people react to the situation, and again, the, the their facial expressions, as you as you said, and almost like this, you can almost see the respect they have for each other when they talk to each other, like just through the conversation. It's it's very it's very interesting. I again, the acting is top notch in this movie. By absolutely everyone. It's pretty great. Tom Hanks does a fantastic job. We see Tom Hanks more than anyone else, yeah. of course. And uh, Tom Hanks is just a treasure, you know? He is a treasure. It's Thankfully, he survived COVID as well. Yeah, he COVID-19. That's it's wild. I'm glad. But yeah, we talked last week as well about the fact that this movie, he really wanted it to go to theaters. And so it's kind of unfortunate. This is We're going to talk about this a little bit more with Tenet later on, but... Is it pronounced Tenet or Tenet? Okay. It's it's Tenet, okay? Tenet. I got it. Maybe I'm wrong the whole time. Maybe I've just been saying it incorrectly. Tenet. But the idea was there's the concept of purity for, for a film. And the idea of people watching at home on a iPad, as an example. I talked to a family friend who was saying that he's a big fan of the World War II movies in general. And he was saying that... He watched it on his iPad, even though he's got an OLED. Actually, not an OLED, but he's got a, a big screen, like 75-inch 4K TV and a really great sound system with Paradigm speakers. He chose to watch it on an iPad. And I think that's what Tom Hanks' greatest fear is with watching this movie is the concept of you don't know what people are gonna, how, what they're going to watch it on. And so that's the, the big thing about this, and it's kind of unfortunate. Although it is great that it was a success in terms of the number of viewers, that's great for Apple. And 
arguably for Tom Hanks, I guess. But this is his first streaming movie, like his first movie that's on a streaming service. He's like Christopher Nolan. He prefers to have these movies mm-hmm. in theaters if he can. Yeah, I uh, I watched it on my like OLED. I have a sixty-five inch OLED. And but you don't have a great be- sound system, so it's like a it's like a you know it's, there's a benefit. But it, yeah, that's where the I guess it still sounded amazing though. Yeah, for sure. Acoustic multi audio, bro. Right. Whatever the fuck. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Good movie. I highly recommend it. For sure. I just wish that it streamed on Fortnite. Like the Christopher Nolan Inception that was, like they played Inception on Fortnite, which I still can't understand. Did we talk about that on the first episode? We did, yeah. Briefly. I just don't understand how that's, so Fortnite, of course, if you don't know, I don't know how you don't know what this is, but this is like the the phenomenon video game that's free to play on PlayStation, (laughs) Xbox, and PC. and Mobile. And mobile. And somehow Inception, the entire movie Inception, was played inside the video game in a stage in the video game. The issue... Actually, you know what? I don't even want to talk about it. It's just so fucking rich. It is an older movie. It's 10-year anniversary. 10-year anniversary just happened, actually, for Inception. So it's been on the news quite a bit. Yeah, was it last week we talked? No, it definitely was the first episode. It was supposed to re-release in theaters. It was, yeah, and I don't know whether it's going to happen. If it will happen, it will happen July 31st is the current plan as far as I know. So we'll see what happens as time goes on, but COVID-19 doesn't seem to be clearing up very well, so I'm not sure the tenant will come out in August either, so we'll we'll get there. Number two, as reported by Entertainment Weekly magazine, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Falcon and the Winter Soldier is notably absent from the Disney Plus release schedule and will no longer release in August. Apparently, apparently production was halted due to coronavirus as the show was shooting in Prague. We await a new release date from the House of Mouse directly, but as expected, this is all very much contingent on how COVID-19 will affect production schedules over the next few months. Adrian, what do you think of this? What a bummer, dude. We were just talking about how, like, oh, my God, it's just it's coming out in one month. It wasn't delayed. Oh, oh, oh. That was me being a little bit stupid. Yeah, I researched fucking it. fucking dumb are you? <laughs> how I, I did look into this because stupid. I was surprised. And so I said last episode that I looked into this to make sure that it was coming out because I was surprised. And everyone was saying, yeah. Every, every article I read said, yeah, I guess this is still coming out. And it obviously is not coming out. So this was just absent from the schedule. I don't even think they set, made an announcement about it not being released in August. I know. I didn't see this anywhere. No, it wasn't an announcement. It was just not in the schedule. So yeah. it was supposed to launch in August. Now it's not. They don't have an announcement date of, or a date announced for the actual release. So we'll see. This is just the. This is arguably the worst news. It's odd because um, it's it's just so close, and I really. Looked forward to it. this. Yeah. I really wanted it. I'm sorry to get your hopes up in one episode and then completely smash them with a hammer in the next episode. Honestly, I think that's why my back hurts. <laughs> that's, I did this to you. I this, did this to your lower back. Not the digging a hole for your deck. Not my deck. What? Number three. According to website Variety, Star Wars The Bad Batch, a new animated TV show spun off the ever-popular Star Wars Clone Wars TV series, will be launching on Disney Plus in 2021. Much like Clone Wars, The Bad Batch will be executive produced by Dave Filoni. Filoni finds himself quite important to the current Star Wars strategy put in place by Disney, as he is now producing both The Mandalorian and The Bad Batch simultaneously. Star Wars The Clone Wars concluded its final season in May of 2020. What do you make of this, Adrian? 
Interesting. Very interesting. I don't know. Apparently, everything Dave Filoni touches turns to be like turns it's, out to be really great. No, oh, um, they're gonna say turns to gold. Turns to gold. You paused after two. But yeah, Filoni turns out to be very great. He's pretty neat. Did you watch any of the? Uh, there was a Mandalorian behind the scenes. Did you watch any of those episodes? No. It's cool because they have the directors on, and they f- hold them in very high esteem, including John Favreau, who just uses Filoni as a wealth of George Lucas information. So he just knows all the lore about Star Wars to the maximum. He's. It looks like he's just a mega fan who turned into. I don't know, turn this kind of into his career. And he's really good at storytelling, clearly. So this actually works out quite, quite well. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Again, I, I haven't watched much of Clone Wars. I've, I've seen a few episodes here and there. And uh, obviously I've watched the entirety of The Mandalorian, which is really great. I didn't mention this, but I'm doing a rewatch of Avatar The Last Airbender. And Dave Filoni directs a lot of those episodes, which I never realized until... My rewatch, I guess. Just For a long time, he was anim- an animator. That was his thing. Mm. And then he got an interview, apparently, with Lucas. And Lucas was kind of... It almost looked like a test, in a way. And Dave Filoni passed with flying colors because he's such a Star Wars fan. Flying and X-Wings. Flying, sure. Flying, uh, flying TIE Fighters. And then he kind of got the gig of the Clone Wars. And he hadn't really directed any live action until the Mandalorian and he did such a great job with that. I mean, we can't, I mean, I can't say enough great things about the Mandalorian. It's awesome. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty awesome. How were those episodes of Avatar? They're great. Honestly, there's no, like, I can't even think of a bad episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, I see. That show is genuinely fantastic. It still holds up. It is in 4-3 aspect ratio, but it still holds up. All on Netflix. Right, that was before Clone Wars, I'd imagine. It was, sure yeah. It was early 2000s. Knows. And then, yeah, like, I guess he went on to do Clone Wars, which, again, I want to watch. Maybe I'll... Like, that is something I want to get into, of too. Episodes. That's kind I of watched issue. a few episodes when they were airing a long time ago, and I didn't really get back into it. I should have gone back to the beginning and started watching them over again, and that's something that I should do as well. I know there are, like, lists that kind of narrow down the necessary episodes, which, like, take out all the filler. So I might, I might do that watch all the like important story arcs and stuff like that but i feel like that's almost doing a disservice to the show itself because even with like filler episodes there's always something that might carry over yeah for sure there's some kind of context that you'll miss later on yeah all right number four according to ctv news although ontario canada is entering stage three of their economic reopening plan most movie theater chains will not be opening at this time Stage 3 is allowing for most businesses to reopen with specific guidelines in place. These Ontario guidelines limit 50 patrons to enter a theatre building at a given time, and as a result, Ontario's largest theatre companies, Cineplex and Landmark Cinemas, are choosing to remain closed. A spokesperson from Landmark has said that, quote, The provision to limit movie theatres to 50 guests does not recognize the configuration of our properties and the personal space that is afforded to each guest. Theatres control showtimes, seating layouts, and auditorium capacity to ensure physical distancing can be maintained at all times, unquote. The Ontario government is planning on working with movie theaters to get this sorted out. What do you think about this? This is kind of disappointing, I'd argue. It is. It's very disappointing. Again, I understand it's for the safety of everyone and all that jazz. But oh, for sure. I'm getting sick of everyone else's safety. I want to enjoy my life, okay? 
I want to have a good oh. time. I want to not wear a mask in public places. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm being facetious. But no, I get it. it. It does suck. Thankfully, not thankfully, I guess, but there's there's a small movie theater that we've gone to called the Princess Cinemas in Waterloo, Ontario. They're reopening. They They're have tiny, reopened. so 50 people in that building is almost too much. I don't even think they have 50 seats in the theaters. Well, they got two. They got at least, I think they have 100 seats in total. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. Again, with no new movies coming out, it's just like, what What am I going to watch anyways? What's the point? Inception However, might be coming out on July 31st, but I don't know. And we're going to talk about Christopher Nolan in a bit here, but it doesn't seem like that's likely. Yeah. And again, like what movie, like, the only movie that's going to make me go back to like watching in theaters that I've already watched is going to be a Jurassic Park movie or Jurassic World movie. Otherwise, I don't want to watch any other movie in theaters right now. They should bring like some of the the festival films, right now. Like maybe movies that we missed or that were like in festivals. like the Peanut Butter Falcon or Honey Boy or. Well, that would be something that the Waterloo Princess Twin Theaters would do. It sounds like we're kind of endorsed by them, but, but I really like that theater. It's good. Yeah, it's good. So they're they do that typically anyway. I think they even had Peanut Butter Falcon they in did. there. At they one did. Point. It was just like three days. I meant more like twenty twenty films that were festival films that couldn't mm. air in festivals due to the coronavirus and that are planned to but can't and so I, i'm hoping we'll see what happens going forward but or maybe you like bring out like palm springs or something like that so yeah that we don't that would get be a great streaming. one or greyhound even yeah i know we saw it so we wouldn't go back maybe for that but palm yeah, springs i would do not. because we can't 100%. even get it in canada so if they got the rights somehow for palm springs like they did for marriage story uh, or irishman or from netflix or are you gonna say uncut words? gems or uncut gems by the way is in a fantastic movie it's and i feel like it wasn't what a what a snub a yeah it's another oscar snub but yeah so bummer it seems like this isn't gonna happen for a little while it's this stage three is not <laughs> the be all end all it's strange to me that restaurants would be open but with that plexiglass situation that you talked about at the beginning with the keg they can't really do that with theaters so I agree that there's a lot more space, and so you should be able to let more people in, but I don't know what this actually entails. They're, I think they're going to make a plan with the Ontario government, and we're going to see more reopenings. But then again, you're right. What th- what movies are in theaters? What what are we even going to see? They can put old movies. Bloodshot. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm not a big Vin Diesel fan. Well, not necessarily. He's... Yeah, I don't care. I have no attachment to him. Number five. Actor Tom Holland has tweeted out a photo from the set of the movie Uncharted, which has led many to believe that they have begun filming. As website IGN reports, a representative from Sony set the record straight by explaining that they have been prepping film production, but have not quite begun to roll cameras. Uncharted is an adaptation of the hit action-adventure video game series of the same name from Sony PlayStation developer Naughty Dog. Tom Holland's photo is one of a production chair that reads the name Nate, in typical Uncharted-like font. The name Nate is of course referencing Holland's character and treasure-hunting lead of the Uncharted series, Nathan Drake. Uncharted will also star Mark Wahlberg and Antonio Banderas when it finally arrives to theaters. Excited? Ah, no. I'm honestly, like, I, like, is this going to be good? I don't know. I hope it is. I really love Uncharted, and I think it's a fantastic, like, video game series. Uh, one of my favorite video game series by one of my favorite video game developers in Naughty Dog. But, like, do we need a movie version of this? Isn't the movie version of this Indiana Jones? 
No, the movie version of this is the game Uncharted, isn't it? Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, like when you yeah. You it is a very linear scenes. game series. If you haven't played Uncharted one, two, three, or four, they're very linear. Or Lost Legacy, or, or Golden Abyss. Sure, they don't follow from the PlayStation Vita. Right. Okay, but yeah, they're very linear, so they follow a very set path. You, you know, you don't make very many narrative choices, so you kind of just follow Nathan Drake. And that's it. So it's weird that I kind of found it strange that they were making this movie to begin with. Almost like I kind of found it strange that they were making The Last of Us as a TV series on HBO because I just don't get it because it's linear. Although a TV series, I feel like, represents a video game much better because this is 30 plus hours or 20 plus hours or whatever it is, which a movie just won't do justice. A movie is one to two hours. So I don't really see why they were doing this at all as a movie if they were going to do it at all. No, I, I agree with you. The only thing that is, I think, a positive about this whole Uncharted movie that they're doing is that it's not based on, like, it's not based on one of the game's stories. Like, this is strictly a prequel. Right, it's a young Nathan Drake. So That's why they chose Tom Holland instead of somebody like Nathan Fillion, which almost every fan wanted to happen. Which we we did get that, like, 10, 15-minute uh, short that fan film yeah which yeah, was, was awesome it was great and it kind of proved why nathan fillion was the correct choice from the beginning when they were trying to make this movie 10 years ago we saw mark Wahlberg switch from nathan drake into sully during this time did he age that much he aged that much so hey i'm i'm mark, I'm mark Wahlberg. Sully, <laughs> I don't know why that's that's more like Mickey Mouse and Sully is kind of the mentor to Nathan Drake in the series. Nathan Drake is a treasure hunter. They essentially go on adventures to to Together. find treasure, much like Indiana Jones or Lara Croft. That's kind of the idea behind this whole series. If you haven't played it, but yeah, Mark Wahlberg is now Victor Sullivan, who is pretty much an old man in this game series. So it's a strange situation for sure. I don't know. I I hope this is actually good. If it's as good as the Tomb Raider movie that came out last year, the year prior, uh, starring Alicia Vikander, Alicia Vikander. Isn't that Alicia Vikander? Whatever, man. Alicia Vikander. Now I'm probably wrong. Please correct us at Split Focus Podcast at gmail.com if we don't know how to pronounce Alicia Vikander's name. But yeah, if it's as good as that, maybe I'll be happy. Because that movie was not great, but it was fun. I had fun watching it, and it yeah, that movie at the very least followed the reboot, the first reboot game story. Not exactly, but the same plot. Yeah, this is a storied past of bad video game movies. Lately, actually, they've not been terrible. Detective Pikachu. Apparently, the sec- uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie is like pretty good. Am I gonna watch it? Maybe. I would have watched it if it actually. It got pushed to February. It came out oh, it before. Oh, did come out. Yeah. But because we shut down Valentine's March, Day. I think I would have seen it, I think. Maybe. I just want to see it for it's Jim Carrey. Um, I didn't really care about the rest of it. I think it's on Crave or Amazon Prime. Oh, I might see it, maybe. But I'm to check that out. It actually. was Jim Carrey, because Jim Carrey hasn't been in too many movies lately, and it seemed like a typical Jim Carrey-esque role. He plays a cool villain, Count Olaf, as an example. I kind of enjoyed and the series of unfortunate events movie is an example. It's apparently not on any streaming service that I can tell. The crazy thing about this situation for Uncharted is the fact that they've had now seven directors. This is the seventh director, Ruben Flesher, 
from the Venom movie is now oh. the is now the director of this movie. Oh, nice. So, did you like the Venom movie, Adrian? It was it was alright. It's pretty average. You know what was really good in the Venom movie? We we're both gonna Tom say Hardy. the same thing. Tom Hardy was great in it because Tom Hardy is pretty great in everything. He's like really. I just find that he just blends into the character. He is the character in every situation, and his accent is really spot on. And that's the best part of. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound like that, which is good. The fire rises. <laughs> Imagine I was saying this in every movie he was in. He sounded exactly like Bane. That would be yeah. terrible. Anyways, I'm intrigued. The interesting thing about this as well is also the fact that they're one of the first movies to start production on on uh, on their movie, to start the actual production or prepping of production, to begin filming during the pandemic, which is a little strange because they couldn't get this thing off the ground <laughs> for 10 years. So again, again, this is a, it's a storied past. So we'll just yeah. leave it up in the air. Hopefully it comes out. You think at this point they would just like just wait? They'd be like, ah, fuck it. What's another three years? You'd think, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. Number six, there is still much deliberation and confusion as to whether Christopher Nolan's new movie Tenet will in fact release this summer as planned. As website Vulture has reported, sources have revealed that Nolan and Warner Brothers executives have had discussions on whether or not to release Tenet in theaters internationally prior to release in the United States. But Christopher Nolan has been outspoken about the importance of the movie theater going experience in the past and has apparently nixed this idea in order to support U.S. theater businesses in these unprecedented times. Tenet has been pushed back twice already and is currently set to release on August 12th. Wow. Will this happen? Um, It's going to be pushed back. Yeah, for sure. The, I think coronavirus is getting worse in, well, in, the in US. some states in the U.S. than it has been at all. Which is just wild. Like, it's not getting worse in, in New York state, but like Florida, Alabama, Texas, not looking good. So I'm not sure what's going to happen for this, but it's scary. And I appreciate the fact that Christopher Nolan is trying to support the theater businesses locally because this is a very odd time. And I, I imagine like Cineplex here is hurting. Landmark Cinemas is hurting for sure. Cineplex is stock has dropped from $30 to $8. And why would it stay high? Is it nobody can go to theaters and it's their whole business is things like movie theaters and arcades, which need lots of people together in a small space. So a large space, but relatively small, considering how many people pack into a theater. Yeah, man, it sucks. It's a huge bummer. I'm very upset about it. Just wear a fucking mask. Please, just just do it. Oh, I see. Yeah, I know. Let's 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 just. I don't even like the government. Let's just listen to them for this one. <laughs> right. Let's. I let me go back to the movie theaters. Just let me do it. It's only gonna happen if it stops spreading. It's my the my mask God. thing is is always struck me as confusing. So there's this constant thing, like all these memes of people just not wanting to wear masks. I just don't get it. I, d I don't understand. It's definitely going to stop the spread. There are multiple scientific studies. Yeah, it's pretty wild. By the way, Tenet costs, and I can understand why you would want to be in theaters when your movie, Tenet costs $200 million, Right, $200 million. Yeah, that's like 
the most expensive Christopher Nolan movie yet. That's crazy, man. Even more more money than the Batman films, and I imagine Warner Brothers would just throw out money for that one. They're like, okay, you did Batman Begins; it was a hit. Let's give you another hundred million. Yeah, it. God damn it, man! What is this movie about? As well, again, still Time, a mystery. I think. In reverse. I haven't watched. Sort of. I only watched the initial trailer. And then haven't watched a trailer since. I, They're like, all very similar. Don't worry. I'm already sold on it. Like, all I his movies are going to be else. like that, though. They don't give you any detail in the trailer. They just make you more enticed to want to watch it because it's just a mystery every time. Every I'm so time. I'm fucking enticed, dude. I'm, I'm just, enticed as well. I'm enticed to shit. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it does suck. And I don't know, man. I, I, just, I just want things to get better already. I'm it's, sick of everything sucking. It seems unlikely that they'll launch internationally first for a variety of reasons that are outside of the fact that they're trying to support American theater businesses. Um, Pirating? Copyright, yeah. Pirating the movie would be a serious threat, and then it would cause like your biggest market to drop off, and maybe people wouldn't watch it, even like opposed to the... They're like, well, there's COVID-19. Why would I go to the movies when I've got it here? Somebody filmed it on their Samsung Galaxy, so with a hundred times zoom, yeah, zoomed in, zoomed into uh, <laughs> John. They filmed the entire movie in portrait. John so they David it to Quibi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. John David Washington's face. You just see his eyeball, but they watched the whole movie and they heard it. So why would they go to a theater when there's COVID nineteen? So it's a tricky situation for sure. It doesn't seem like it's likely that it will launch in August on August twelfth. I don't know. We're we're gonna find out. I really hope this blows over as everyone in the world does. But anyways, number seven. I love you. Me? Yep. Oh, thanks, man. Number seven. Website Deadline has reported that Netflix has published a top ten original movie list, and the Chris Hemsworth-led movie Extraction leads the pack for overall viewership with 99 million views. Sandra Bullock horror Bird Box sits in second place with 89 million views. All subscribers that watch content for more than two minutes are considered a viewer for this Netflix metric. Netflix has recently reported 10.1 million new subscribers for their second quarter after forecasting only an increase of 7.5 million for quarter two. Extraction. That's wow. actually that's a surprise. Honestly, I I would have bet money that Bird Box is the number one viewed movie on Netflix because of all of the bird box challenge memes that came out after for sure but like, memes i think are a huge driving force in just anything whether on the it be, internet whether it be movies or second. videos and and audio and everything like that music uh, it's actually quite shocking and i do genuinely think bird box is a better movie than extraction I've i didn't actually both. see i didn't see extraction so i'm not sure it's good some very like awesome action scenes very john wick-esque action scenes because i believe it was the stunt choreographer of john wick that was the same guy that did his extraction are you just saying stunt like the stunt man's the same i like believe for chris so. hemsworth not not the stunt man but the person that made extraction is like a guy that was the one of the stunt coordinators for john wick are you saying he directed it i believe so i might be wrong and i might be lying to you what i do know is it was produced by the russo brothers that's happened for sure and he was the stunt, stunt court. It's Sam Hargrave. Yeah. So yeah, he did a bunch of the. He did Atomic Blonde as well. But he only he choreographed the fight scenes. It doesn't mean that he, he didn't direct the movie. Oh, didn't he? He's just a stunt choreographer. Hmm. 
No, and he's the director of the movie. Of Atomic Blonde? No, he's not. He's David Leach is the director. Oh, yeah, he's a who, stunt coordinator. Who specifically directed John Wick? It was David Leach. Yes. You're right. You're right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not say anything for the rest of this podcast. I'm sorry. Well, don't do that because we need to. This is a conversational podcast, so we definitely need you. Talk to yourself. Whoa. But anyways, yeah. If you have any other corrections, any crazy inaccuracies that we've said in the last three episodes, please write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. I really want to hear from all of you, and we want to make sure that we are accurate. But of, of course, we want to also have a conversation with your topics and ideas. It's also uh, Chad Stahelski was also the director of John Wick 1. And then he went on to make John Wick 2 alone without David Leach. They had initially co-directed it. Atomic Blonde. Correct. So they were kind of doing that simultaneously. Um, and then now we're at John Wick 4 almost. I can't wait. Which was supposed to launch on the same day as The Matrix. I think they changed that because of the Matrix got delayed, yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. I think See, John Wick's still coming out at the same time. No, I don't that think That would have been an odd too... choice, don't you think? That would Very be a much. strange thing to do is two, two Keanu Reeves action movies on the same day. I don't know. I think that would pull away from the viewership. I think maybe 100%. they thought it would help in some way because you can market both of them. It's like a double a feature. I don't know. It seems strange. Yeah, anyways, Extraction, very awesome action scenes. Like, absolutely stellar action sequences. Very John Wick-esque. Very just close, up, visceral, incredible, gratuitous violence. Very well done. I really like that movie. It came out only, like, a few months ago as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked that, it, that it's above Bird Box. You just answered your own question, my friend. Because it came out a few months ago, oh. COVID-19 has caused many people to stay inside, and streaming services... Are, I don't know. They've hit gold. Unfortunately, they're kind of except for Quibi. Except for Quibi, which sucks. But Quibi's an on the go. I think it's an on the go, on the go streaming service. On the go. It's on the go, not to be confused with the bookstore streaming service that Chapters. No. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Chapters was the one I was thinking of. Exactly. Thank you. But specifically, yeah, it's an on the on the. I almost said it again. <laughs> I'm insane. It's a streaming service that's designed for people on the go in that you're always moving along like you in the McDonald's parking lot watching the strangers. Drive through. You were in the drive. You were watching in the drive through. Yes. You just had it in your little console. You had it like clipped into your dash. When the cars weren't moving, I was holding the phone. I wasn't trying to incriminate you. It sounded like you're trying to defend yourself. I am trying to def- defend myself. <laughs> Don't worry, man. There's no police officers that watch this. I, I put it down and look at it when I'm driving, but when I'm not moving, I'm <laughs> No, you do not. <laughs> no, you don't. Anyways, but yeah, that's the benefit of it, so that's why it's not benefited. But Netflix, I would argue, definitely benefited from the pandemic in some way, unfortunately. And fortunately for the concept of the pandemic. But fortunate for Netflix, who just went up by 10 million subscribers. Good for this um, multi-billion dollar company. Super yeah. stoked for him. Great. Number eight. According yeah. to Deadline, Netflix has just ordered a big-budget movie adaptation of The Gray Man to be directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. The Russo brothers are arguably best known for their massive Marvel blockbusters, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Netflix is looking to jumpstart a franchise in the size and scope of James Bond, and this is the route they have chosen to do it. Joe Russo has already written the screenplay with the help of longtime collaborators Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus. 
Gray Man is based upon the Mark Greeny book series that follows former CIA agent turned assassin Court Gentry. The film's story will follow Gentry as he is hunted by CIA operative Lloyd Henson. Anthony Russo has reportedly said that, quote, For those who were fans of Captain America, Winter Soldier, this is us moving into that territory in more of a real-world setting. That's what this movie really means to us, unquote. Court Gentry will be played by Ryan Gosling, and Chris Evans will star as Lloyd Henson in this mono a mono focused thriller. Adrian, what do you think of this news? This was the, probably the biggest news of the week, I would say. I'm sold. I'm sold already. Joe and Anthony Russo directing, who have made one of my favorite action movies in Captain America the Winter Soldier, then again went on to make arguably, well, literally the biggest movie of all time in Endgame. It's really awesome, and I'm a huge fan of Ryan the Goose Gosling. I love that guy. He's probably my favorite actor, if I really think about it, when it comes down to just his range and the movies that he's been a part of, whether it's been a beautiful love story in The Notebook or an awesome neo-noir sort of movie in uh, Blade Runner 2049, as well as the musical La La Land, etc., I, I just, I absolutely love Ryan the Goose Gosling. I think he's going to be awesome in this. And again, I'm a big fan of Chris Evans. Obviously, Chris Evans has a really good relationship with Joe and Anthony Russo. And again, has been in, in my personal opinion, the best Marvel movies and the best Mar- Marvel movie period in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. If they're really kind of focusing it on that, a smaller scale sort of espionage thriller with some really tight action sequences i'm i'm all in simply put the neat thing too is the ron gosling versus chris evans seems like a really cool idea i think that that's really going to be cool overall apparently christopher mcquarrie was attached to direct a version of the gray man in 2016 they just and it fell through and the russo brothers have been developing this for a while brad pitt was attached at some point as well it is super exciting i'm very excited about this i also think the winter soldier is the best marvel movie I, I don't think that's necessarily an objective thought. I, I think that we, we have we hold this opinion, certainly, but I think that it's it's very unique in that it's not following the exact Marvel formula that we've come to expect from movies like Iron Man or The Black Panther or... Actually, it's not called The Black Panther. It's literally called Black Panther. I think it just connected it with The Pink Panther. But anyways, uh, Black Panther or Iron Man or Doctor Strange, which follow a very similar pattern in the way that they operate, Whereas Winter Soldier does something unique. And it's really, it is a spy thriller in many ways. So this is going to be quite interesting. It's also the largest budget movie that Netflix is planning to make. They're planning to make this out of into a series if it's successful. With Ryan Gosling being the central character as that uh, character, Gort Drentry, uh, throughout. So, it's neat. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I Like, again, I, I'm 100% going to watch this as soon as it comes out. I'd be shocked if it was anything less than good. I don't think it's going to be bad because of the Russo brothers. They just have such a good track record in general when they're directing specifically. Extraction was produced by them, actually. Yeah. They seem to keep dealing with the the actors that they've already dealt with. They're, they remind me of Christopher Nolan in that way, and that Christopher Nolan has Michael Caine in almost every movie, and he seems to pull pull care, pull actors, I should say, from various movies he's already directed, which is neat. And it's his cast kind of that he knows, he's vetted, and he's seen them act in various things and uh, uses them again. Like Tom Hardy in Inception and then in Dark Knight Rises as an example. or Dunkirk as, as well? 
and Dunkirk, of course, as well. So this is very interesting. I'm very excited about this. This news was launched on Friday, and I'm very interested to see where this goes. Ooh, baby, me too. I can't wait. Indeed. I'm very excited. Now on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, starting on July 13th, NBC's Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon was the first late night show to start filming again in studio with a limited crew. I don't give a fuck. Number two, Deadline reports that Universal is developing a new live action Wishbone movie based upon the 1990s PBS TV series about a Jack Russell Terrier who imagines himself as characters in various literary works. Wasn't this like a book as well? Question mark. Number three. According to The Hollywood Reporter, a movie is being adapted from the hit video game series Just Cause and will be directed by Stuber director Michael Douse. But why? Just cause? Number four. As reported by Variety, a modern-day Fletch reboot based upon author Gregory McDonald's mystery novel series is being developed with John Hamm playing the leading role and Superbad director Greg Matola directing. I don't know what Fletch is, but this sounds pretty decent. Number five. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Noah Centineo of the All the Boys I've Loved Before Netflix movie series has been cast as DC superhero Adam Smasher in the Black Adam movie that will star Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the title role. I'm honestly shocked that that movie's still happening. Number six. As reported by City News Toronto, Rome City Council has voted to rename the Music Park Auditorium to the Ennio Morricone Auditorium in honor of the late Oscar-winning composer. That's kind of nice. Rest in peace. And that concludes the montage. Next segment of our show, we're going to take a look, as usual, at the movies releasing this week. And this is a tough one, as we mentioned at the top of this show, to figure out which ones are releasing again, because theatrical movies just aren't happening. And we want to deliver, really, what the streaming movies, or what movies are delivering by streaming services, which is also not super easy to find. But we're going to do our best, and uh, I'll let you take it away, Adrian. For sure. So the first one, it's not really a movie, but I still want to mention it because I really like Quibi. It's the uh, Die Hard TV show. It kind of is a movie, though. Yeah, if you watch it it all together. Yeah, they really saw it once. Oh, no, they don't. No, they're doing it weekly. Daily, sorry. It's daily, which is, again, a cool idea. A new episode every day. Quibi just keeps trying to pioneer these ideas. Is Quibi going to go away and then we're going to see another service with a much better name and cheaper price come out in like two years or they're gonna just sell all their content and like netflix will take it over or maybe but how will they actually display it isn't that kind of part of the point youtube maybe but youtube premium again you you mentioned last week that they they're giving away their biggest show karate kid to netflix so yeah cobra kai Hmm. cobra kai pretty good pretty good second season has a lot of teenage people making out it made me uncomfortable actually oh like, like an excessive amount. And I was like, what is going on here? It's like close-ups. It's like 30 seconds long of these like teenage kids. 30 seconds? I'm not joking. I'm not a 30 joking. 30-second makeout Just session. Shot. Like these like Do they take are... various shots of the same makeout section? Yeah. Did you say or... section? Session. Session. Section. It's, it technically is a sh- section of the show. But yeah, the camera's just like kind of slowly panning in as they're making out. Weird. <laughs> okay, thank you. I don't need to picture this. What's the next? Uh... So these are both listed as limited releases on multiple websites, including Google, Movie Insider, IMDb, and Rotten Tomatoes. The Big Ugly and The Rental. 
both are apparently releasing this Friday, July 24th. This is one of those scenarios where I just don't think it's been updated anywhere. So it was supposed to release in theaters, is Correct. what you're saying, but it's not necessarily going to come exactly. pass. The Big Ugly is actually a, seems like an action movie with Ron Perlman and Vinnie Jones. Yep, yep. And the rental stars, Alison Brie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What, what's going to happen with that then? That's and gotta... Dan Stevens as well, I believe. Dan Stevens and Alison Brie. Where is that going to go then? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm a huge Alison Brie fan, and I think Dan Stevens is a really great actor as well. Yeah, this is strange. Is that everything, or is there another? There is, is one there another movie, Adrian. Yeah, Kissing Booth Two. Shut up. I know I was wrong. It's coming out on Netflix July 24th this Friday as well. Part of the hit Kissing Booth franchise, where two booths start kissing. Yeah, the rental was the movie I had seen that. It was on my radar a little bit. It's a horror thriller, but it's directed by Alison Brie's husband dave, dave franco. franco correct when That's i found out they were married it made me very sad he also wrote the screenplay apparently so that should be interesting i'm curious to see where that's going to release i don't know yeah what a weird world we live in <laughs> i don't know I yeah don't it's know. an interesting one honestly we'll see what happens yeah is this dave franco's first like is this his directorial debut for like do you know a feature film that's going to be debuted in a big setting mm-hmm I really like Dave Franco. I think he's a really great actor. Good question. Is it, though? No, it is not. Mm, Yes, it is. He did something for Funny or Die called Dream Girl with Dave Franco and Alison Brie, a video short in 2013. My goodness. That he directed. I don't know what that's They've been married that long, or they've been together that long? Maybe he wasn't with her at that time. Maybe they didn't. Maybe that's where he met her. Ah. I don't know. We'd have to look into that. Please write into us if that's uh, something that you know about. Maybe Dave Franco's and... Alison Bree's relationship, uh, which actually leads us into our next topic, uh, which is specifically our mailbag part of the show. Part of the show. In which we read out comments and questions from various people in the audience. Please write into us if you uh, feel like you have a comment or question or topic that you'd like us to discuss. Splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com is the email address, and we will address it on the show. You can also tweet at us at Adrian Pinter and at Tweety Bird. Yeah, Tweety Bird with spelling my last name. T-W-E-A-D-I-E-B-I-R-D. But we did actually get somebody to email into us, actually. Jim H. wrote into us, and he said, Hey, Simon and Adrian. Hey. You keep mentioning that Batman vs. Superman is How a great you? film. Can you not interrupt? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> truly unprofessional. Hey, Simon and Adrian. You keep mentioning hey. that Batman vs. Superman is a great film. What is your all-time favorite film, though? Cheers. Ooh. Jim H. It's a good question. Are you going to answer it? No. What is your favorite movie? It's a good question, man. Again, once again, I have uh that's a hard one to answer. When I first met you, you said that your favorite movie was Anchorman. Yes. Is that still the case? No. Yeah, that's the it's, question. It's arguably like my favorite comedy. Right. At the time it was your favorite movie. Yeah, I know. It's like I can still recite the majority of the quotes from that movie. I, I absolutely love Anchorman. It's it's fantastic. But as I have grown and become more matured, you've decided that your favorite movie is Pineapple Express. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that more mature? I'm not sure. No, it's not. I, I do love Pineapple Express, though. Starring Dave Franco's brother, Jameson Franco. Yes, Jameson. Um, I don't know, man. That's actually that's a tough one. It like off the top of my head, it's probably Fargo. Fargo. I, I think. I the, think the Coen Brothers movie. The Coen Brothers movie Fargo. Wow. 
I think it that might be my favorite movie. Like that's the that's the first one I always think of. Is your favorite TV series also Fargo? Um, that'd be very poetic. Yes, actually, I don't know if it is anymore. I think BoJack Horseman actually took really? that place. Yeah, interesting. I just I don't know. Far, like definitely, Fargo is my favorite live action TV show. If that makes a difference, but I don't know. BoJack Horseman just has such a special place in my heart, and I think it. I don't know. I don't want to go too deep into BoJack Horseman because uh, I could talk about that show for hours, and I fall in love with that show. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's quite a hidden treasure, BoJack Horseman. There are literally animal people walking around in this animated show. BoJack Horseman is a horseman. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah, I don't know. There's that that TV show is incredibly special to me. It made me laugh, made me cry, made me feel all sorts of emotions. It made me understand dementia better. It made me understand depression better whether it be my own depression or just depression in general it made me it it does it does amazing things that show and again i can't recommend that show enough but yeah like if if it comes down to my favorite movie i think it may be fargo blade runner 2049 also like sticks out to me uh, as one of my favorite movies of all time Hmm. la la land i didn't know that you're just naming a bunch of movies now i think jim h which i i'm guessing is a reference to the office i'm not certain or maybe this is the person's name hard to know jim halpert but I'm not, oh my not certain. It seems like that could be the case. Uh, hard to know. It could also, again, could, it's, not, it's not a very uncommon thing to have the name James or Jim. But anyways. Jimmy. My uh, favorite movie is The Prestige. And that's not changed, ah. actually, since you've know, known me. That's, that's pretty true, much yeah. been the same. The Prestige, the Christopher Nolan movie about magicians. Which is fantastic. Much more than that in a lot of ways. It's starring Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and Scarlett Johansson. It is quite good. It's fantastic. It takes you on a ride for sure. And it's one of those movies that you can watch a few times to really like notice the amount of detail that was written into the plot by both Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan uh, and directed by, like it's again, uh, Christopher Nolan is probably my favorite director just because he makes a lot of my favorite movies. Interstellar being one of them. Memento is amazing as well. Yeah. I, I love every Christopher Nolan movie I've seen. The only ones I haven't are, I think, Insomnia, which is his first yeah. movie. Actually, The Following is his first movie. Oh, yeah, then I haven't seen that one either. But I think I've seen every other Christopher Nolan movie. The Following I have not seen, and I haven't seen Tenet. Tenet. Yeah, sure. Sure, buddy. Yeah, but uh, we watched The Prestige together. You showed me The Prestige. Yeah, and uh, Inception. And Inception you showed me while we weren't communicating. Yeah, we of course we didn't Whatsoever. say anything out loud to each other while we watched this movie, but no, nor, it's, uh, nor before nor after. We just happened to be at the same place, and you just happened to turn turn those movies on, and I just happened to sit next to you. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. The Prestige is fantastic. It's, it's stellar. It is a ride and a half. Yeah, I just really love Fargo. Perfect balance of dark comedy and an awesome story. And there's just a few scenes that make me laugh out loud to this day. While it being a like a pretty serious premise, small town murder mystery. Yeah, and that show though, it's so good. It's fantastic. It's un- Yeah, it's unbelievable how how fantastic that show is. And it's a sort of anthology how, series at this point, but there's connections between them. and Yeah, every series connects to it, and they also connect to the movie as well, which is really awesome. Yeah, um, they choose great actors for it. Oh, the music is Billy spot on as well. Yeah, Noah Hawley is the creator of, of the show, and he got, his, got the permission from the Coen brothers once they saw, I guess, the script. It's just so good. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, Martin Freeman, uh, Colin Hanks. 
to make another yeah. like a yeah. Tom Hanks connection at the at the closing moments of our podcast. Yeah, the that show perfectly encapsulates the tone of the movie as well. It does. It's perfect. It's so interesting because Ewan I, McGregor as another actor. Yeah, and then in another series, like when they got to series two, three, three. three. Yeah, that, that show. It's so interesting because when it first was gonna come out, I, I was I was kind of conflicted. I knew how good the movie was, and I didn't really think that. I kind of wondered whether this would do very well at all, and we didn't hadn't seen very much from Noah Hawley, so it was one of those things that was kind of up in the air. So it's cool that it is as fantastic as it is. We don't really know. We do. We have a release date for season four. When did they say it was coming out? It's starring uh, Chris Rock, right? Yeah, it is starring Chris Rock. That's actually a good question because it was supposed to come out in April. Am I correct? Yeah, it seems like it's delayed indefinitely, but they... Yeah, apparently it's it's, it's not anywhere. It's not on Wikipedia. So or we anything. don't know yet then. That's not... Uh, it's kind of shocking. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I thought I thought Bummer. for sure because they Me do. Me they too. just threw a teaser in and I sent it to you. Remember that? Yeah, and then uh, maybe it just said like coming coming soon or release date soon or whatever. Okay, but it was supposed to come out like April nineteenth. Yeah, I'm super correctly. excited. That's gonna be really good. Every time they seem to not outdo themselves, but do something slightly different with a premise that's not. I don't know. It seems like almost like a broad premise, a broader premise than I thought. I thought they couldn't do anything with the show to begin with because they have got this movie. It seemed like such a succinct story what, what can you possibly do with this concept but they just kept i don't know hitting it out of the park every season with different stories alien alien invasion references and odd yeah i know oddball like billy bob thornton was absolutely incredible and he, i believe he won an emmy for that uh for the first series as well it's fantastic his and, emmy speech is quite hilarious as well yeah i believe it was there's a lot I could say that would get me in trouble these days, so I'm just gonna say, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, I really appreciate like that. that. It was uh, it was funny. I believe funny. we are done. Again, we invite you all to write into us. Send us another "Would You Rather." I like "Would You Rather"s; they're fun. I'm gonna do a "Would You Rather" every episode. Yeah. If someone that, sends them in, every that would be great. Episode. A little off topic from our film and and TV, but uh, definitely rather, enjoyable. Je- definitely enjoyable. Would you rather be a TV show? Or be a movie. I'm not going to answer that. That's fair. Yeah. Thank you for listening. What? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. How could you be a movie? What movie could you be? How could you be a TV show? What is any of this? What are we? Continue. Stuck in a pandemic. Damn. Thank you for listening to the third episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Yeah, it's me, Adrian Pinner. You guys take care. I'll miss you. I'll, I'll see you guys next time. No, I won't see you. I can't see you through this audio recording, but I can I can, I can. can say one thing to you. Batman v Superman's a good movie. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. Take care.